welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and joining me is an old favorite of the podcast. He's back for 2023, Michael Van Dorser, MVD, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the king of footy up in the Golden Valley area. MVD, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on. How have you been doing? Doing all right, thanks, Casper. A long time no see. It's been uh, been a big off season, I suppose uh, we could say. Uh, lots of lots of stuff going on, and uh, lots of people um, to catch up with in regards to things. But yeah, footy's back, and we're we're looking forward to it. And it's been fantastic. So keep uh, can't wait for what the next uh, few weeks have got to install. Should be interesting. It starts off with Gather Round in Adelaide. I still don't know if I like the name, to be honest with you. But before we get to Gather Round, in case this is your first time listening, dear listener, uh, we have three sections. First section, MVD and I will each give our top highlight and top lowlight of the weekend. And then we will discuss five main talking points that come out of it. And in section three, we will preview gather round who's going to win each game by how much and why. And also, I didn't tell you about this MVD, but new segment for this year, we also give our lock tip. We don't condone gambling, but if we were the type to gamble, which tip would we like to gamble the house on? Again, gamble responsibly if you do gamble. But we'll start off with the top highlight. Right, looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting with Gather Round, but we'll see how we go, eh? Absolutely. Now, um, we will start off with our top highlights and top lowlights. Uh, MVD, I'll let you start off with this one. What was your top highlight of the Easter round? My uh, highlight, for the, and for those that aren't, Faye, with my uh, background, I'm a massive Hawthorne fan, and uh, that does come across a little bit too much sometimes in regards <laughs> to the way things are going. Um, in the in our chats, Casper, I do I am aware of that, but I'm happy to turn around and say my uh, highlight out of the weekend was Hawthorne's first half. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought they played really well. Um, and my low light, I'll quickly follow that up with the low light, which was Hawthorne's third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, having uh, conceding 10 goals in a quarter of footy is never good. And um, having Geelong on the ropes and then to do that was just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, that's where that's my highlights and lowlights. Mate, um, I, I, I was wondering if your low light was going to be Hawthorne's second half. Um, I think my top highlight and it's difficult to it's difficult to say about which highlight because it's, there were so many teams that were just so impressive but I think I'm going to go with the Brisbane Lions a team that needed to make a statement against a really difficult quality opposition and not only did they do that they did that pretty comfortably in the end and I think they're proving the fact that they're going to be extremely difficult to beat up at the Gabba my low light is that once again, so soon after the Jamari Yugal Hagen racism controversy, the league is once again dealing with the scourge of racism, this time towards multiple players. It's not just one, but multiple players who have uh, who've been alleged to have received racist and homophobic abuse on social media, started with Isaac Rankin of the Adelaide Crows, Charlie Cameron of the Brisbane Lions has also been uh, hit. Nathan Wilson and Michael Walters of the Fremantle Dockers as well being hit by the abuse on social media. I, I feel like a broken record every single time I talk about this. I just it's 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 just absolutely ridiculous the fact that people to this day think that this is an acceptable thing to do. Um, and the thing is, of course, they hide behind fake profiles. That's not necessarily easy to go and find them because they, they they are cowards who are perfectly okay with saying the most grotesque and horrible things to another human being, but only behind a fake profile with no profile picture uh, on, on social media where they're completely anonymous. Um, if you do that, you are not only scum, you are also a coward. Um, 
I think that you should identify yourself so that you can then be ostracized by the community, which of course you're not going to do, but I think you should absolutely do that. Um, yeah, absolutely terrible that we have to talk about this again. Now, we go on to the main talking points out of what was a fascinating, fascinating... I remember having yeah. a conversation with you about this. Sorry, Casper. That's okay. I think there's a tiny bit of a delay between Melbourne and Shepparton. That's okay. You were, you were saying MVD? Yeah, I remember having this conversation with you, I reckon, last time I was on with you as well about... Uh, people having their say's on say on different things and uh, in that respect and you, people just need to learn to be respectful and just stop with the abuse it's just not helpful for anyone and we just need to grow up and just uh, treat people the way that we want to be treated and uh, if you want to be treated with abuse and all that well that's good for you but uh, I don't think you're going to make anyone anyone any happier so um, I think uh, treat others the way you want to be treated and uh, let's move forward and, and let's hope that we don't have to talk about this again. One can only hope indeed, MBD. Um, on to the main talking points out of the weekend. It was a bit difficult. There are some weekends where it's a bit difficult to find five talking points. And then there are some weekends that are just difficult to narrow it down to just five talking points. And this weekend is definitely one of the latter. Uh, we'll start off with big news out of the tribunal. Both Tom Lynch and Big uh, Mackay out of Carlton, they have gotten off and they are both free to play. Tom Lynch obviously won't be playing due to his injury, but Mackay is free to play against the Crows on Thursday night. I want to ask you, MVD, the two instances both Tom Lynch and Mackay, were they lucky to get off or should their suspensions have been upheld? It's fascinating how the the tribunal had been doing so well uh, in upholding um, the MRO's opinion on things. And, and then all of a sudden, we've just got a couple where they've come off uh, and got off scot-free. Oh, I think consistency has been a big key about from the MRO this year. And I think it's been credit to them. I think a lot of clubs have been going down the, uh, the tribunal route to try and get these players off, on, even on speculation. I think that, uh, yeah, uh, it, they they rolled the dice, both Richmond and Carlton, and they came up trumps. Um, good on them. It's great to see. But, I mean, Lynch, I thought, I thought it might have been a bit harsh. But at the same time, it was more causal um, or causation, I think is probably the right phrase there. Um, Alex Keith didn't come off too well, so he got weeks in regards to it. Oh, yeah. The, as soon as contact's made with the head, the MRO is going to be making sure that this is going to be at least one, maybe two weeks um, uh, and all that. So we got we got to look at it with that point of view. Should they have got off? I wasn't in the tribunal. I don't know. Um, there's a lot that goes on. But in the end, they're off. They're playing. Well, Mackay's playing. Lynch is probably injured, as you said. So mm -hmm. I, I don't see it as any issue in, in regards to it. They've obviously, the tribunal's found a different way of looking at it. So um, good on them. They rolled the dice. They won. What's your thoughts? So this may be a controversial opinion, but... I think that the Mackay instance or McKay, however you want to pronounce his last name, I think, okay. I think that instance was probably right to be let off because I think you can make the genuine argument that if he didn't stick his arms out, he would have been absolutely smashed into by Harry Sheasel. You've got to be, you, there has to be a way that players can protect themselves. There absolutely has to be a way that players can protect themselves. And if it results in another player being injured, then that's terrible. But at the end of the day, football is a brutal sport and there are lots of innocuous, unintentional injuries that happen all the time. The difference between that and the Tom Lynch incident was that I think Lynch in the marking contest wasn't going for the mark. So had he stuck his arms out, 
and actually tried to try to mark the ball or tried to punch the ball, then I think you could make the argument that it was a football uh, a football um, action. But he turned and he yep. chose to bump and he got Keith High and he got Keith suspend, uh, concussed. If that is not the definition of what should get players a week or two suspension, then I don't know what is. Once again, you you, you say that Damaro has been pretty consistent so far this year, and I would agree with that. But once again, the tribunal has come in and confused everyone. I mean, I've been a football fan for over a decade. I absolutely love footy. But if I was to try and explain what would get someone suspended for, for a week or two versus what wouldn't get them suspended to someone who isn't a footy fan, I don't know if I would be able to do that. Because there are just so many, so many exceptions to what should be a rule that doesn't have exceptions. And I think so soon after what happened with Patrick Cripps late last season, where he amazingly got off after trying to challenge the ruling twice and ended up winning the Brownlow as a result of it, I think it's a bit of a farce. I'll be completely honest with you. I think it's I think it's crazy. Maybe we need something radical. Like if you get given a suspension of say one or two weeks, you don't get to challenge it. Maybe that's what we got to do. So you're saying you should be only able to challenge fines? I think you should be able to challenge fines or lengthy since uh, lengthy uh, uh, suspensions. I think suspensions of one to two. Well, you can't just have one and not the other. But I mean, sure. Look, the the, the biggest the biggest thing in the game at the moment is concussion and the effects that it's having on former players. If you want, if you want to protect yourself from a liability standpoint as the AFL, surely you've got to do something drastic to reduce the number of times that players are getting off. For instances, that they shouldn't be, they they shouldn't, you know, that they shouldn't have their uh, their their punishments reduced. I mean, it's ridiculous. Seriously, if it happened, if 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 it oh. happened in the courts, if it happened in the court systems of this country, you would say the court systems are absolutely ridiculous and a joke. And I get that that's more serious. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with you in that respect. I don't disagree with you in that respect, Casper, but at the same time, you can't just have people being able to challenge fines or challenge four weeks plus suspensions and not being able to challenge one or two. Like, that's why they brought the fine system in place so that people didn't mess matches for innocuous little events. That, I mean, the they might be turning, the MRO might be turning around going, right, this is where it's graded. It's graded at a one to two week, but he probably is sitting there going, is it one to two? Probably not. But that's how it's been graded based on the framework that I've been given. So that's probably where he's at in regards to it. He can't turn around and then go, well, I it's graded at one to two. I'm going to make it a $2,000 fine. Like, I, I think if you, if you get fined, for, if you get fined, you're still found guilty of a, of a charge. So you should still be ineligible for the brown loan. But that's just me at the same time. So I can't, I can't, we can't argue that point in that respect but at the same time you can't just have one to two and being able to challenge one to two game suspensions as opposed to being able to challenge three to four or five it's like that that just for me is unequal okay how about this for an idea then instead of instead of having what i proposed originally maybe instead you just get rid of fines and then the minimum, the minimum um, punishment you can get is a one match suspension. Minimum. Going back to the way it was. Absolutely. Yeah, that 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 for me sounds sounds fine. But as I say, if you're found guilty, you're found guilty. I didn't have a problem with the way it was. The fact they brought in this fines to get fined and you can still be eligible for the Brownlow, rah 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 rah. rah I don't have a problem. Yeah, maybe the MRO needs a little clause in there. Are they protecting themselves? Is that something that we could look at? Is uh, is the player in a protecting action so that they're not, um, like, are they bracing themselves for impact? 
if that seems to be the wriggle room, then maybe we need to add that into the MRO's checklist. What there's got to, there's just got to be consistency. That's all that fans are crying out for. There just has to be consistency because we cannot keep going season to season and incident to incident, just confused as all heck as to whether or not a player is going to receive a $300 fine or a four-week suspension or anything in between. It can't be this. I thought the MRO got it right first round of the season when they had the three the three head knocks, Pickett, McAdam, and I can't remember who the other one was. I thought that that was the right decision to go with, but I just, I'm just, I'm really disappointed in it after, after Lynch and Mackay both got off. Um, it's not the only system in the AFL that is under a little bit of heat. There was a moment in the second quarter of the Geelong Hawthorne game where the Cats were coming late in that second term. And there was a shot on goal that the umpire uh, called the behind and said that it that he wanted clarification as to whether or not it hit the post. Now, normally in this instance, you would go to the edge, which for those who don't know, it is the footy equivalent of Snicko in cricket. And instead, there was no edge used and the goal umpire uh, the, the the third umpire, excuse me, upstairs, basically used camera technology to zoom in as much as possible and basically came out with the determination that it was, there's no conclusive evidence to rule either way. So the goal umpire course uh, stood. But correct me if I'm wrong, MVD, but isn't the whole point of the edge system so that you could tell whether or not the ball nicked the post? Yes, that's what I believe is supposed to be the case. I don't understand. Well, was it used and we uh, the coverage didn't show it? That that could be another that could be another point. Um, I know they mic up people for the coverage, but we don't get you don't get to hear about it on on um, at the ground uh, in that respect as well. So in the end, in the end, if there's no, it, it's like. It's like in cricket. If there's no conclusive evidence, they go with the umpire's decision. And it's sort of like, well, if the umpire called it a behind, then he's he's got to go with his gut. The I've said it with, with the NRL. They go to the bunker far too often, and they have done it, and they've tidied that up because they've gone, no, nah, you make the call. We'll confirm it with you if... Uh, we'll we'll make we'll talk to you in your headset if you need to change your decision, but we'll do that while they're setting up because you're losing too much time. AFL, it's a bit harder to do that. I get that, but at the same time, if the umpire's there, the umpire's in the right position. Make the call if you're not sure. Go to the technology. If the technology doesn't come back and get is not available to be used for whatever reason, then you go with the umpire's call. It's as simple as that. If you can't come up with it, if you don't know generally, you shouldn't be there. So at the same time, if the umpire's there, he's made a call. Yes, it's a behind, but I'm not sure if it's touched. I believe it's like, I believe it's hit the post. Yep, cool. Just to check for the argument's sake of the game, check to see if it is a behind. Then for me, there's no issue with it because he's made the decision and he's he, he lives with his decision. For me, there it ended up being an eighty-two point margin in the end. So it didn't. It, there wasn't. There wasn't that much that you know it 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 impacted. But what if it was a close game? What if it was a close game? It it just reminds me of when Tom Lynch kicked that goal that he thought was a goal, but the umpire ruled as a behind. And they went to and they had that whole goal review farce at the end of the Brisbane Richmond game. What happens if it's a grand final? There's less than a kick in it. 20 seconds ago, the team that's behind has a shot on goal and the umpire thinks it's hit the post. They go upstairs and for some reason, edge isn't working. And it's not like there are some grounds that perhaps, you know, the AFL uses so infrequently that they haven't bothered to put the edge technology up there because it's too expensive or whatever. You think of like Traeger Park in Alice Springs or up in, um, up in Cairns as well. 
But this is the MCG for crying out loud. We can't expect, surely, for the goal for 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 a system that's supposed to be as robust as it is to 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 continue to fail like this. And I thought it had a pretty good year last year, the goal review system. Same in 2021. But it boggles my mind that they didn't use edge in that moment. And if edge isn't working, then find something that does work. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. It, the, that's a completely different story from my point of view, whether or not it was at the MCG or whether it was at Traeger Park. At the MCG, you should be having it there all the time, no problem whatsoever. Marvel Stadium, same sort of thing. But the thing, but but, but the thing is, MVD. I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you. But the point was that it wasn't available. You're right; it should be. But the fact is, in that moment, it wasn't available. Why was it not available? I think that now, to me is unacceptable. I. I honestly didn't see that. I didn't see the incident you're talking about. I haven't seen it at all. But there are times, even like, again, I'll take it back to cricket. There are times where there are certain parts of technology that are not being able to be used. So they go with the umpire's call. So if you can't use the technology, you go with the umpire's call because in the end, the umpire is there. Otherwise, we'd just be having robots and you'd be flashing green or, or red when the ball goes through the goals. Like they'd have lights that would go between the goals and say it's green because so therefore it's a goal. Like something something stupid like that. But there are still umpires there. There are still umpires there paid to make a decision. So I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, if it's not, if it comes down to a grand final, so be it. The umpires there, they make the call. They're the prof- they're the play people that are in there, they train two, three nights a week anyway, they've got to make the call. It's the same as a field umpire making a bad call out, out in, the, in the forward 50. They can't review that. At least with goal or, or scoring decisions, they're able to be reviewed. There you go. You, you muted me when we started this call and I muted, just muted myself. Um, for me... For me, there are two. There are two. There are two things here, right? There's there's going with the goal umpire, and that worked for about the first 114 years of the competition. So I am okay if the technology doesn't work for whatever reason to go with the goal umpire, because as you said, they are the expert. They train two to three nights a week. They've been doing this for years and years and years, and they are probably better at it than 99.5% of everyone else that watches the game. However, with that being said, the technology was brought in because goal umpires were making basic mistakes in crucial games. They were making mistakes in grand finals. They were making mistakes in big home and away matches. The technology was brought in to help eliminate that. And yet, we continue to find that the technology has its limits and the fact that one of the basic elements of it was not used in such a pivotal moment of such a big game at a ground where the technology should be as solid as possible. It should be the leading example. It should be the ground where there are no mistakes or as few mistakes as possible, at least not a mistake like this. And the fact that it happened at that ground, I think, is absolutely inexcusable. We go. Oh, I do definitely agree with that. I think there should be there should be the opportunity for like there should be as little mistakes as possible. But you said it then. It's not supposed to eliminate all mistakes altogether. It's supposed to help alleviate the howler, alleviate the major issues. Now is that not the is that not the issue there? Is was it an absolute howler? Did it touch the post? We don't know. <laughs> no, based on based on the vision that you saw, based on what you saw, do you believe that it hit the post? I I think it's inconclusive. Yep. I think it's so we go with the umpire's decision. If it's inconclusive, if the umpires actually erred on the side of caution, I'd be more upset if he awarded the goal and it was turned out to be a, a hit the post behind. I'd mm. be more concerned about the fact that whoever got the whoever did it 
got credited with a goal as opposed to one behind when it clearly hit the post or it looked like it was going to hit the post. Yeah. As opposed to it got, it's been given a behind. Let's have a look at it to see whether or not it actually did hit the post or not. Now, the umpire should be able to tell if a ball hit the post or not. So you would think that he's got this one right. Without seeing any footage and all that sort of stuff, just saying that's the way I look at it in regards to it. I'd be more upset if the goal was awarded and it was found to be a behind or it looked like it was going to be a behind and they couldn't use edge for that. No, I think that's a fair point you make. On to a bizarre incident in Adelaide. I don't know if you saw this, MVD, but young crow Jake Zaligo ended up making contact with the goal umpire as part of his goal celebration, and he received a fine. I can't remember how much the fine was, but I want to ask you, considering that the AFL has really kind of tried to clamp down on contact with umpires, and it's not a recent thing either. There's been plenty of examples from 30, 40 years ago of players making far more innocuous contact with umpires and receiving weak suspensions. I want to ask you, should this type of contact be something that is worth a suspension if you truly want to stamp it out? I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to be, I have seen this incident. I, I will preface this by saying I have seen this one and it was, I the, the, the contact with the umpire was more, yes, I kicked that goal, you need to award it. So for me, yes, I believe it should be uh, a suspension because he didn't need to do it. Yeah. I will I will throw into you um, the fast that was uh, Jeremy Cameron celebrating, <laughs> running twenty thousand meters and then smashing into an ump into a boundary umpire. I mean, like seriously, Jeremy, like you've beaten us by twenty thousand points. Do you need to be doing that stupid stuff? Like, come off it. So uh, I. I think I think he should go, to be perfectly honest, because it was a yes, it was a heat of the moment sort of situation. But at the same time, it was like, yes, I, I kicked that. You have to award it. It's like when they scream at the rugby league, award it, award it. And it's and they know that it's not a, a try sort of thing. Like, come on. Like that is just completely um stupidity. And if he was to be rubbed out for it, I wouldn't be disappointed. It's I, I don't understand the thought process behind a player who plays in a competition where they have really clamped down over the last few years on goal on um, players touching umpires. And there are innocuous there are innocuous contacts with umpires all the time. You know, you see defenders trying to spoil a ball on the line and they end up crashing into the goal umpire, or there's an instance where a player but this was blatant. It is, it is blatant, and I think Caroline Wilson mentioned it. You know, she said if 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 it was someone called Toby Green who plays for GWS who did that, whether or not he would have gotten a suspension, which is a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, I it's absolutely ridiculous, and I think Jake Saligo should be embarrassed the fact that he did that. Hopefully, he learns from that. In terms of being a suspension, it probably should have been. Um, I think the AFL missed out on uh, on on making a statement out of that. Um, on to a couple of the matches. We'll start off with a thriller in Sydney between the Swans and the Power. Uh, late shot on goal as the siren sounding from Ollie Florent fell half a metre short. And I cannot believe, as a Swan supporter, the footage of Callum Mills celebrating on the goal line before the ball has even gone over his head. I am absolutely gobsmacked by it. My other question is, where are the other big players? You've got Buddy on the goal line, but where was Laddams? Where was uh, McDonald? Where were where were all these tall players that should have been there that should have tried to, I don't know, at least try to do something illegal to get the ball through? Whereas Aaliyah, Aaliyah just, and the fact that it was Aaliyah, Aaliyah of all people who just continuously just repelled Swans uh, attacking four ways and then to do that on the line as well he played a great game full credit to him but man that hurt I want to ask you MVD does the game say more about Port Adelaide or Sydney well 
first of all, I'll address that what you said, that first bit. How were there was there the the only tall player for Sydney was Franklin, and he got knocked over very easily. But how on earth was there no one else there to block uh, Alira Lear's run at the ball? Like that made no sense to me whatsoever. And he didn't do it just on the line either. He was about half a meter in front of the line. Mm. <clears throat> Callum Mills should take a good hard look at himself as well. But that being said, so should Ollie Florent, who was celebrating before the goal umpire had even singled anyway. Like, talk about premature celebrations. Dude, mm. pull your head in. <clears throat> um, I think I think that helps. I think that helps Port Adelaide. Um, obviously the four points, but at the same time, like they needed that. There's a lot of pressure at the moment on Ken Hinckley. Um, I don't know, rightly or wrongly, he hasn't delivered a premiership, but premierships are so hard to build. I think it's a good win for the Port Adelaide Power. Sorry, but I think um, I just think that it's it's a tough one. Um, Sydney Sydney will learn from it. I, I reckon Longmire will have that last thirty seconds sitting uh, in the review this week and playing it on repeat. Um, but I, I think I I don't think Sydney are in a bad spot. So I actually think it will help Port Adelaide more so than Sydney. It'll help Sydney's learnings and progression. Um, they're doing they're doing well. Obviously, you can get better. Anyway, anyone anytime you don't win, you can get better. Obviously, but you just just one of those things. But that last few moments, seriously, they need to they need to really just uh, get get better at that last little bit. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. It was interesting watching Matthew Lloyd talk about that on Access All Areas. Great program, by the way. We're not, we're not sponsored by them, but I would love to be. So you know, Nat, Nat Edwards, if you're listening to this, please consider sponsoring us. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we even have, we even have a fellow Hawthorne supporter on here, Nat. Um, Matthew Lloyd talking about how Port Adelaide really got away with that, not just because of the kick falling short, but because Oli Florent found himself in so much space when at the turnover on the Swans D50 line, there were three Port Adelaide players that walked back into their defence, allowing Florent to get so much space. Had he kicked that, the heat would definitely come on Port Adelaide. I agree with you. I think it says more about Port. My 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 problem with Port is that their gap between their best and their worst is just it's incredible. I mean, at their best, they can beat Brisbane by nine goals, beat Sydney at the SCG, but at their worst, they can lose the showdown conceding the last six goals against a team that on paper they should win quite comfortably against, and they can lose by 12 goals against Collingwood. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it definitely means more for Port Adelaide. Ken Hinckley gets a massive a massive pressure reliever. Uh, the difference between going into this game against the Bulldogs at Gather Round uh, with one win versus two wins is absolutely massive. Um, and yeah, I think yeah, c- congrats support. They absolutely deserved it. Um, Swans, I don't think are in a bad place, but they I think would like to review how they kick the first four goals of the game. Um, and then allowed Port to kick five unanswered from that point. But it's a close contest. Anytime you lose by under a goal, you're unlucky. Uh, on to the... I wouldn't be so... Pro- uh, they, they, how many goals did they let in in a row? Did you five. say? Five. Yeah, that's not... Don't, they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It wasn't 10, so it's okay. I know we're talking to a Hawthorne supporter here. But, I mean... A premiership contender should probably be better than allowing five consecutive goals. Um, oh, wait on. Sydney are all of a sudden a premiership contender, are they? Is that where we're going with this, is it? They final last year. Can they not be a premiership contender? Oh, yeah. Tell you what, the fish are fighting well this morning. Hook, line and sinker. You got me. Congratulations. <laughs> Threw the bait out there and I took the bite. Let's move on yep. to the talking point for crying out loud. It's... It is quickly becoming the marquee game of the Easter round. No offense, MVD, but I don't think it's Easter Monday anymore. It's Easter. It's Good Friday. Uh, North Melbourne has routinely fought uh, and managed to hold on to the time slot since starting in 2017, despite the fact that most years they have been blown out and they've only won one of them, which is back in 2018. But I want to ask you, MVD, did they do enough, in your opinion, to justify them holding on to the Good Friday time slot. 
every year this conversation comes up and it's I'll I'll answer it with another question for you. Did Hawthorne do enough to keep the Easter Monday slot going? You have a good point. What's uh, the difference between Hawthorne playing as bad as what they played in the third quarter to what how North have been going over the past however long? Is it because Hawthorne's got an 80,000 fan base and North have got bugger all? Like, why does this keep coming up? Let them play it. I don't have a problem with them playing it. If, if we're playing good Friday football, it I don't necessarily agree with playing good Friday football to start off with. But that's for me. If we're playing good Friday football, does it matter who's playing? Honestly, I don't really care who's playing. If you're going to sit and watch a game of football, you might as well watch North Mel. You might as well. I don't like. They sold it out for the first time ever. I know it probably says more about where Carlton's at than where North Melbourne's at, but the buzz around North Melbourne for the first part of the year has been unbelievable. They're two and two for goodness' sake. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with it. Let them play. Just let the boys play. I wanna. I, I want. I wanna stress that uh, I also agree that they should be allowed to keep the North. Uh, the 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 Good Friday game. I think. Carlton and Richmond are great examples. Richmond were terrible for the first few years of that annual round one clash, and then Carlton were pretty bad for the few years after that. I think North Melbourne, yes, there were a lot of Carlton supporters there, but there were a lot of North Melbourne supporters there. I reckon with how both teams are heading, if this fixture, this matchup is kept for next year, you could get 50,000 people at Marvel Stadium. It was the biggest crowd at Marvel Stadium in 10 years, I think, and the biggest crowd for a North Melbourne versus Carlton game since the 1999 Grand Final. How about that for a stat? The biggest crowd... So does that not tell you that it's... Does that not tell you that it's good enough? They're going... It's going okay? I think... You know what? Truthfully, I think that some of the smaller teams deserve blockbuster, annual blockbuster games as well. As much as I would love this game to be involving Essendon, I think Carlton did enough to justify themselves being in the time slot. Um, I do kind of feel for the dogs being kicked out of there, um, but I can easily understand why the AFL brought Carlton in, and I think it paid dividends. By the way, Carlton supporters, okay, try to not get too far ahead of yourselves, okay? I get it, right? 1995, best start to the season since the last, excuse me, since the last time I won the Premiership. Second on the ladder, one of only two teams to not have a loss so far this season. Amazing, right? But you are playing at a ground this week where you haven't won a game at yet, ever. Not only that, but you... Look, right, if North Melbourne had kicked 18-11, you would have lost. You would have lost. You would have lost, and no one would be talking about 1995, and I can stop hearing about that bloody year when Carlton won their 16th premiership. So I'm just saying, right? I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. You started last year very well as well. I would not be surprised if you still found a way to choke. And if that happens, I will undoubtedly laugh in all of your faces. Salty Essendon supporter. (coughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Sorry, I think I just had a sneeze come through. Oh, yeah, no, that's okay. That's okay. That change of season, huh? Do you you, you have... Yeah, that's it. It's It's raining up here at the moment, so yay. Bloody, bloody hay fever, eh? Um... On to Gather Round. Uh, what do you think of the name, by the way, Gather Round? It's crap. <laughs> Sorry. It's crap. Yeah. <laughs> I could go harsher, but I don't want to lose your PG rating on the uh, on the airwaves. Um, seriously, like, Gather Round? Come on, everybody. Let's gather together. Like, mm. it's like, oh. Like, I don't even like Magic Round in the NRL. Like, they play the, they played their Magic Round up in Brisbane, and they play it all at Suncorp Stadium, and I think it's fantastic. Like, it's great to have everyone together. But why call it – why have this thing called Magic Round? Why call it Gather Round? It just sounds crap. It does. Let's just – all right, it's sponsored by the South Australian Government this weekend. Fantastic. Great work, South Australia. You've finally done something good for the sporting landscape of the world. (laughs) Let's go and take it all there, and let's just have a weekend to celebrate what is South Australia. Because what else do you do for the country? Give us Travis Head, and that's it. <laughs> oh, man. 
brought to you. This podcast is brought Cheerio to you. Cheerio to all the uh, South Australian listeners of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by two Victorians, by the way. Um, for those of you who are listening from overseas, <laughs> which some of you do listen from overseas, in case you don't know, there is quite the strong sporting rivalry between Victoria and South Australia, but it's all friendly banter. We all love each other. It's great. It's just that South Australia is absolute dog doo-doo. But anyways, um, I reckon... Hey, you said that, not me. That's okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Look, right, it's all in good fun, South Australia. But anyways, I think here's an idea how about we call it wherever the round is held every year we call it that city round so we call it adelaide round if it's held in sydney yeah, then, 2024 we call it sydney round but it's not adelaide it's adelaide norwood it's everywhere else okay in, in... well fine then we call it south australian round i i don't like i know what they're trying to do I can. They're trying to copy what the NRL are doing, but, mm. which is why they're talking about having a night grand final as well. Don't get me started on that. But uh, that's like, it's is it needed? Is like if you're going to do it, play it in Queensland. Play it in Northern Territory for goodness' sake. Take it to somewhere that actually needs it. Adelaide is an AFL state. Or sorry, Adelaide is an AFL city. South Australia is the AFL state. Michael, get your geography right. But <laughs> geography, take it somewhere like Michael Van Dorsa. Yeah, exactly. Take it to the Northern Territory. Take it to Western Sydney or, or Sydney. Like, I don't have a problem with if we go in somewhere like that. Ideally, Casper, I'd love to see a community football round mm. where they play a round of AFL games, four points at in the country. Mm. Why can't they take it to, I don't know, Shepparton? Why can't they take it to Bendigo? Why can't they take it to Ballarat? Like, they've already got games in playing in Ballarat. But why can't they take the AFL for points? Take it to Albany in WA. Take it to, I don't know, take it to Blacktown. Oh, Blacktown already plays a game. But take it to Townsville. Take, it, take the game for points to regional Australia. Hmm. Why can't we do it that way? I like it. I like it. Have you have you thought about applying to be head of gather round at the at the AFL MVD? Have you thought about no, that? No, because I'll get frustrated with gather. <laughs> you could call it, you know what? You could call it here's an idea. You could call it country round. Have the Geelong the Essendon game be the marquee fixture of it. You could have that game in Geelong. In Geelong, because Geelong's a country town, apparently. Yes, well, sorry, as a Melbourneian, <clears throat> as well as a Melbourneian, yes, it is absolutely a country town. But um, I'll say this: have Geelong v Essendon at Geelong, and then have the rest of the games, you know, going around to different parts of the country. As you said, have a game in Albury, have a game in Alice Springs if you want, have a game in bloody Penguin Tasmania if you wanted to, or you know, as why uh, not? As as Benedict Cumberbatch would call it, Penguin. Uh, I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen that. It's great where he can't pronounce the word penguin. Anyways, look it up on YouTube. It's amazing. Um, well, honestly, it's a great idea. You and I, right? You, you, we we should submit this pitch to the AFL. Honestly, put us in charge of it, Gil. I think I think I I like the idea of having it all together, but at the same time, why if you're going to do this and have a gather round, why don't let's have it in let's let's have it somewhere else, like. Why don't you have it in country Victoria? What I don't, or why not, sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm just gobsmacked with it, to be honest. And they should um, see how things go in that respect. So, go to the Riverina, maybe such a great fertile footy footy area. Um, yeah, well, is that too? Sure, they would love to have football games up there. Um, but let's get on to the Gather Round 2023 edition in Adelaide, and it starts off with. Here's another thing, right? Before 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 I start, I want to ask you, is it fair, because these games don't count as official home games for teams, right? But I want to ask you, is it fair that Carlton and the Bulldogs are playing de facto neutral games against the two South Australian teams in South Australia? Why not have a showdown in this round? That's a fair point to why they didn't play a showdown on Friday night football. I have no idea. They should have had 
Friday night, open space. Yep, play a game on Thursday night. Yep, no worries. Play it at Norwood Oval. Who cares? Play like what who are we going who are we looking at? Play okay. Play GWS versus Hawthorne. No one's going to care about that. Play that Thursday night. It'll be fine. Play Friday night. Play Adelaide, Port Adelaide. I don't understand why these showdowns and these derbies for Perth and all that are played at 5.40 on a Sunday afternoon where no one cares. Mm. Like, seriously. These are marquee games. Why don't they... I know they're trying to get people, like, for the... What is it? The Sunday night game to be watched here in Victoria. But play it at a time that is beneficial to those in the region. I agree, though. This game, this round should have had the Port Adelaide Adelaide showdown. No problem whatsoever. I don't understand why. And if they're going to do this again next year, they need to look at doing something like that because I think it's the better idea. Yep, I would. I would agree with that. I think it also makes – I think it's kind of unfair that Carlton and the Bulldogs play two de facto away games. But I, I think that's – I think that's – Adelaide and Port Adelaide should be playing these as home games. These are their home games, in my opinion. There's no no issue for me in regards to that. It doesn't matter. They're playing – they're playing games in Adelaide. They're, they're going to treat them as away, as away games anyway. With all that being said – I do think that this round starts off with the most exciting matchup that I think 2023 footy early in the season could bring. And it starts off on Thursday night between the Crows and the Blues at the Adelaide Oval MVD. I'll let you kick off with this one. Can the Crows, they've won two in a row, look pretty impressive. Can they claim a big scalp? I definitely think that they could uh, claim a big scalp. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not uh, Sam Berry and Darcy Fogarty can come back into this squad, um, see how they go. But I think uh, oh, Matt Crouch had 37 in the sandful last week, along with seven clearances. So that's a massive game. It'll be interesting to see what they do uh, and how they go about it. But I, I think it's going to be really good, a really good hit out for them. So uh, Carlton with the uh, loss of Sam Doherty, mm-hmm. um but Sam Walsh is likely to be back, uh, which is good. Blake Akers could come back. There could be a massive changes at Carlton in regards to how they go. Uh, so looking forward to that uh, in regards to it as well. There's some players that are doing good things in the, at, VFL, at VFL level as well. Um, Paddy Dow, Jackson Bins, Brody Camp, Lockie Plowman, just to name a few. All of those had 27-plus disposals on the weekend. So uh, this is going to be a really good game, I think, between these two sides. I'm going to go Carlton, probably. I think it's going to be an epic clash. I can't help but think this is the kind of game that Carlton are going to get ahead of themselves. At. And Carlton supporters might say, what evidence do you have that we will get ahead of ourselves in this? Oh, how about the last time you played the Crows at the Adelaide Oval? where the pros were absolutely terrible. You were flying. You lost by five goals and you went on to miss the finals. Carlton supporters, this is your first L incoming of the season and I cannot wait for it. I'm going to eat popcorn and I'm going to have cake and it's going to be great. Adelaide's going to win. I think it's going to be a close game by about two goals. On. Salty. I'm a fan. Sorry. That sneeze came back again. Jeez, mate. You should really go see your doctor if you're this sick. Uh, on to Fremantle versus Gold Coast at Norwood Oval. Um, and on behalf of the AFL, I would like to apologize for the city of Norwood that this would that this is the game that the AFL decided to send to them. Uh, I think this game is going to be absolutely terrible in terms of skills. It's probably going to be the worst game to watch of the weekend in terms of who's going to win. I think Gold Coast have more of an upside than Fremantle. I know that Fremantle are somehow favourites in this game. If you're looking at the bookie odds, I am going with the Gold Coast Suns to win because I think that Fremantle are allergic to the idea of scoring. And this is not golf where the lowest team, with team with the lowest score wins. And I think Fremantle, for some reason, think that they are playing golf. Put away the irons and the driver heads and the tees and the golf balls, you know, put away the golf carts, Fremantle, and get on some footy boots. But I don't think it's going to happen this time. I think the Suns are going to win in a nail-biter. How about you, MVD? Yeah, I'm going the other way. 
Uh, I'm going. I'm going Frio. Um, can't believe they dropped Will Brody on the uh, last weekend. So um, I think that he needs to play. If anything, for my super coach points. Um, but Matt Tabner um, injured is a big out for them. Although I'm liking Michael Frederick, and I think um, uh, I like what he can do up forward, especially with those backflips that he does. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that goes. Um, but I'm going to tip Frio in this one. I agree with you. Uh, Friday night footy, Gold Coast versus Frio. Like, seriously. Really? Is there no what other game that we can Friday night? What oh, a I, yeah. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. Friday night footy. Um, but oh, sorry, it's the first Friday night footy game. The so there's two Friday of them. Night. That's that's why it's that's why it's in there because no one MVP, actually cares about that. MVP, MVP, what what do you think of double headers on Friday nights? I like the idea of a double header for gather round. I like this. They're trying, as I said, they're trying to replicate the NRL here. And that's what the NRL do. The NRL play a Thursday night game. They play two on a Friday night game. And then they play uh, mainly Saturday nights, I believe. Saturday night and then in the Sunday afternoon. So they're trying to replicate the NRL. Look, go for it. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on. Uh, on to Richmond versus Sydney. It was a thriller this time last year, around this time last year, when the Tigers and the Swans played each other at the SCG. The very controversial finish should it have been a 50 meter penalty should it not have been i loved drinking up all the salty richmond supporters tears they were delicious i want to ask you mvd both teams desperate for a win the swans have hit a little bit of a uh a wall the last couple of weeks and the tigers well two massive outs nankervis and lynch most likely not playing i want to ask you who wins this one yeah but it's a battle of the injury lists at the moment between these two sides I think the big loss for Sydney is the McCartan brothers with with concussion. Paddy McCartan, has he played his last game of football? Um, I think that's a major talking point and one we need to keep an eye on as it develops over the coming weeks and, and probably something you can, I'll let you note down for fellow guests um, in regards to having a chat about that one. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Franklin's also out with a knee injury. That's going to be... Um, Interesting. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, Tom Lynch is out. Jack Rewalt's probably back at this point. Um, but Nank the Tank and Cochin, who was subbed out last week, does that just say managed to you? Or do you reckon uh, he's out of form and, and out of the team now? So um, uh, toss of the coin. I reckon Sydney. Yeah. I am also tipping the Swans. I will be damned if I Fine tip that. Richmond in this game. Uh, sorry, sorry, mum. I apologise. Um, don't, don't, don't tell my mum that I that I'm tipping against Richmond. But I am tipping against Richmond because I think Richmond. They've had patches of good games. Their first half against the Crows was pretty good. Their second quarter against the Dogs was amazing. But how you can go from kicking? How so my problem with Richmond, right, is that they have these massive swings in games. You take the game against the Dogs as an example. They kicked eight goals in the second quarter, and they kicked four goals in the other three quarters. That type of fluctuation is not going to work against a good team like the Sydney Swans. Did I just call the Bulldogs a bad team? No, I'm just calling the Swans a good team. I'm tipping the Swans to win in a close one, I think Lynch and Nan Curvis being out is huge, especially because the Swans ruck situation isn't great at the moment. Um, I'm tipping the Swans in another close game by about three goals or so. Should be a blockbuster. Um, on to Saturday, and we head to the Adelaide Hills, uh, somewhere in the Adelaide Hills, to, for Brisbane versus... Mount Barker. Mount Barker, thank you. Uh, Brisbane versus North Melbourne. Um, before the season started, I thought this game was going to be about 100 points. Now that we've had about a month of really competitive North Melbourne football, I think it's going to be more like seven goals. I still think Brisbane okay. should win this fairly comfortably. Uh, what about you, MVD? I think this would be a really good one. Nick Larkey could, uh, could come back into the side as well with a fitness test. Ben McKay comes back, possibly comes back as well with a fitness test. Um, so some good players that will be able to work out. Griffin Logue will be a very handy inclusion um, should they choose for him to come back as well. So looking forward to seeing how 
how this one goes for the uh, for the North Melbourne side. This is probably a, a real test for them. They've had they had two very good weeks at the start of the season. They've had two not so good weeks in the last couple of games. Um, but also Dan Rich to possibly come back for North Melbourne. Uh, sorry, North Melbourne. Dan Rich to possibly come back for Brisbane to provide that runoff half back. So I think Brisbane will win, um, but it probably will be a lot closer than what people will think. It should be an interesting game regardless of what happens. Uh, Brisbane look pretty bad outside of Queensland. Here's their opportunity to win big interstate. On to a game that I think if this was at the MCG, they would have gotten a pretty decent crowd at because both teams are doing really well. It's Essendon versus Melbourne. Rematch of the greatest grand final so far this century. I'm, of course, talking about the awesome 2000 grand final when we won by 10 goals. How great was that? Essendon supporters who were old enough to see it. Just just think about just think about that team for a second and just go back to 2000. Get going. Come on. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, MVD? Who can, uh, both teams coming off pretty good weeks last week. The Bombers should have won by more, but that's besides the point. Um, I think I think Melbourne's going to win. What about you? I think Melbourne probably will win too. Um, just having a look um, in regards to injury lists and the like, um, Essendon have got a fairly strong one. They've still got some good players that are that are out there. Ben Brown, they reckon they should get back um, this week as well. It'll be interesting to see how whether Michael Hibbard comes up with his Achilles. Um, I was going to say, some... I did not realise that Essendon had Ben Brown. Melbourne? No? Did I say the wrong name again? You did, you did. Same... Okay. Yeah, probably did. Oh, I'm going really well today, aren't I? <laughs> um, see, uh, okay. see how things go. But... It has been. Um, my brain's still working it out. Melbourne, for mine, should win this one and should win it pretty comfortably, uh, even though it is third versus fourth on the ladder. Should third versus fourth on the ladder, geez, just Essendon supporters, just enjoy that. Right, we're in the top four. Let's enjoy this before a really difficult seven weeks up. Starts with Melbourne. I think Melbourne are going to win. Um, I think Essendon is going to be more competitive than what a lot of people think. I think a lot of people think that Melbourne's going to win this comfortably. I'm tipping the D's in a tight one, three to four goals. On to by the way, this is a true this is a true double header too. By the way, four ten p.m. on Saturday, followed by seven fifty p.m. At Adelaide Oval as well, between Port Adelaide and Western Bulldogs. Jeez, you got to hope that the uh, Essendon Melbourne game doesn't get delayed for whatever reason. Uh, hey, I'd be ha- I'd be happy with that. Get free tickets. <laughs> well, I think you do get tickets to see both uh, days. Anyone okay. who's gone to anyone has gone to gather rounds, let us know in the comment section of wherever you're listening to this. Um, by the way, Spotify, make a comment section that people can actually leave comments on on Spotify. Wouldn't that be great? Anyways. Port Adelaide versus the Western Bulldogs, uh, 7.50 p.m. at the Adelaide Oval. MVD, both teams had very narrow wins, very badly needed wins last week. Both teams are 2-2. Two and two. Who wins this one? Uh, I'm going Port Adelaide. Um, they're just looking at their injury list. They've got Orazio Fantasia that's... Uh, on that list, and that's it. Um, whereas if you look at the dogs, you've got players like Hayden Crozier, Alex Keith with a concussion, who's a massive out, Latham Vandermeer, Rourke Smith, Cody Waitman, who looks like he's available um, for the first time this year. So um, it's 10th versus 11th. Port Adelaide at home, um, never tear us apart. I think they'll be buoyed after last week, and I'm going Port Adelaide on this one. Yep, I, I think Port Adelaide are going to win as well. I think Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval are just a, a, a trickier a trickier proposition and Adelaide Oval uh, than away from Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm tipping Port to win a thriller by a goal or less. Um, on to Sunday, and it starts off with a blockbuster, the true marquee game of this weekend. It is Geelong versus West Coast. I thought that, uh, let me just say this, there was there was news out of central Queensland a little while ago that they found a new giant species of tarantula up there. And of course they had to share a photo of this thing on social media. I thought that was going to be the most horrifying thing I saw 
But then I saw West Coast Injuries list against Fremantle a couple of weeks ago, and that is now the second most horrifying thing I've seen this year. I feel sorry for the Eagles, right? Every single time they get their season started, it's either COVID, it's either players getting suspended or players getting injured. And I really feel for them because they don't have the chance. They do not stand a chance against Geelong. I'm going to say this early. This is my lock for the week. If I If I'm betting my house on anything... Do not hold me to that, by the way. Landlord, if you're listening to this, I'm tipping Geelong to win by about 50 to 80 points, somewhere in that range. You're you're an interesting one. Sydney supporter feeling sorry for West Coast after the 2005-2006 sort of rivalry and all that sort of stuff. Hey, feeling hey, sorry hey, for they West are, Coast. They since when, Casper? Since when? They are a far more likable team now than they were when Chris Judd, the uh, freaking eye-gouger, chicken-wing tackler, Oh, Ben Cousins, Daniel Kerr shoves his teammate down a flight of stairs. Like, it's just, it is far a far more likable team. And I think, you know, it's it's difficult to, you know, not root for the team that's, you know, struggling at the bottom of the ladder. That's hey, awful. Hey, yes, but, you're going for Hawthorne. No, 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 hey, 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 right before you say this, there is photographic evidence of you wearing an S in a jumper. So just before you judge me on that, right? Just saying. Okay. Yeah, that's because I went to watch Essendon play another team. It was it was it wasn't the fact that they were playing Hawthorne. You could have backed um, another team. Not a chance. Um, I'm going to, to go for Geelong. Um, I'm not saying they found their mojo. They'll just beat West Coast because that's what they will do. Yeah, I think that's fairly straightforward. On it's to, not my luck for the weekend, though. On to the game. These last two games are really difficult to pick. Good luck to both of us trying to justify our decisions here. It's GWS versus Hawthorne at Norwood Oval. Uh, let me guess, Hawthorne's going to win this by 50 points, MVD? <laughs> Par for the course, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll come out and score 10 goals in a quarter at some point. Uh, it won't be their third quarters. I'll tell you what, their third quarters this year have been pathetic. They have. Um, I saw some stats running around uh, in regards to it, um, and it's just unbelievable. I don't know what's going on at halftime, but... They're not coming out firing a shot after three quarters at um, in the third quarter. Interesting to note, um, Haw- it's just been announced Hawthorne are challenging um, the two-week suspension Will Day has got. Um, so it's interesting to see how that will go. That'll go to the tribunal um, for this one. He's been their best player for the last three weeks, um, Will Day. So um, we'll see how it goes. He's winning MVP awards in regards to it. So going to be an interesting one to see how that how they go at the tribunal um but also GWS look they've got some good players but they've also got a lot of good players that are sitting on the injury list at the moment and they're what are they they're sitting in 15th only 40 no 39.8 percent better than Hawthorne so we I am going Hawthorne purely because I'm a Hawthorne supporter and that is all the justification I need to go for Hawthorne in, in this conversation. So did you just say how much percentage difference? If my maths is correct. Hawthorne are sitting at 52.8%. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought this was going to be a difficult game to tip and I was going to try to struggle to justify why I tipped GWS in this game. But looking at that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that far-fetched for me to tip GWS. Giants are going to win. You know, Sorry. What? I might change my I might change my lock tip of the round for to be GWS beating Hawthorne. Lucky um, I won't see it before Sunday then. Yeah, <laughs> won't won't ruin your weekend. Uh, on to Collingwood versus St Kilda. The AFL has really missed an opportunity. This game should be at the MCG, and I think this is the only time that they're playing each other during the home and away season. What a missed opportunity! Put this on a Friday night at the MCG and you would get seventy-five to 80,000 easily. Instead, it's Casper. Sunday Twilight in Adelaide. Point of order. Point of order. Point of order. Yes. Delegate. They made this game as part of the gather round. It was, they didn't know that this was going to be, the, they didn't know that uh, after four rounds, St Kilda would be sitting on top of the ladder at four and oh. They did not know that Collingwood would be two and two at this point in time, cementing themselves into the top four. Uh, into the top eight. I do not think people can turn around and say, oh, they should have played this at the MCG. Yes, they should have played this at the MCG, but they're trying this gather around, which they'd want to try and make sure that they get money. Uh, they've been sponsored by the South Australian government. They've got to try these things. It's going to be a good game. At least 
at least, Casper, it is at the Adelaide Oval and it will attract the crowd. It's school holidays. There'll be people there, no problem whatsoever. I reckon there'll be a number of people flying over to Adelaide just to watch this game yeah. from no. Melbourne. So, and being school holidays, of course, they're going to get the, they're going to get if they if they sell out Adelaide Oval, it's just as good as selling out Marvel Stadium and or putting this at the MCG. Like you're going to get fifty thousand people, whether it's at Adelaide or whether it's at the MCG or at Marvel. So to, for people, and I'm not saying it directly to you, but I've heard all the commentary this week about, oh, they should be playing this at the MCG. They put it as part of Gather Round. This is the conversation. This is the issue that they have. I like it. I like it. MVG, I reckon you should be the advertising guy for the for Gather Round at the at the, uh, at the AFL. I don't know if you're looking for a new job, but if you are, there you go. There's an, op- there's an opening for you. I'm all right at the moment. On to uh, which game you're taking as your lock. I'm, you know that I'm tipping GWS over Hawthorne as my lock. What's going to be your well, lock? No, no, I've oh, I've tipped St Kilda in this one, by the way, just for oh, those. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, I've tipped St Kilda too. Um, but just for those that are following along at home. Yeah, my yeah. lock for the weekend, and you can put your house on this, Casper. Oh, okay. That the South Australian government will be making a truckload of money back into their coffers after having a weekend of football. It is going to be an economic boost, and I will guarantee you that we will hear that Monday come uh, from the South Australian government saying how good it has been to have the whole AFL round in Adelaide and how much of a boost it has been to the economy. Hopefully, that means that money goes back into community football in Adelaide. That would be great in South Australia. It would go back in that way. But that is my lock for the week that by Monday we will be hearing the South Australian government coming out saying, we want another one. I like it. I like it. I like it. Slightly different to what you were expecting, but that's my lock for the week. So I was going to say, there are now three things that either I have said or you have said that I can place my house on in terms of betting. Does that mean that if I get two out of these three happening this weekend that I still have to sell the house? It means that uh, meatloaf was right. Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Rest in peace. Uh, MVD, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Pleasure to have you on as always. I would wish you luck for Sunday, but you know I don't mean it. Yeah, I know. And I would wish you luck for Essendon and Sydney, but you know I don't mean it either. Uh, Love you too, mate. Uh, Look, dear listener, thank you for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. It is a pleasure to have you listening to us as always. Please do uh, check out the other episodes that we have wherever you get your podcasts. Do not forget to join us next week as whoever the co-host will be and I will review the uh, gather round and preview what should be a massive Anzac round, including the blockbuster Collingwood v Essendon game. Imagine if Collingwood and Essendon are both four and one heading into that game. It is going to be absolutely huge. The crowd record is 94,000 for an Anzac Day game. That might be broken if that happens. MVG, thank you very much for joining me. Wish you all the best, dear listener. Hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sexy, and I will see you next week.